Hello everyone and welcome to our Christmas special episode. Um, today I have with me Rosa and Gesa and I'm Teresa and Jaya uh, is not joining us today unfortunately. She has a lot going on but I think we will also manage us three. Hello you two. Hello Teresa. Hi. So as we already teased last episode this is going to be a little bit of a special episode and we thought we would just start talking a little bit about Malmö and our experience living in Sweden for at least three years. Um, I mean I'm still living there but you three are unfortunately not uh, and we thought we could just term the episode last night in Malmö because um, I think that sums up the experience quite nicely. <laughs> So before diving into like some history of Malmö, um, we can first give an impression of what we think about Malmö and how was how were the three years of living in Malmö for you guys? I absolutely love Malmö and as a Finn I've been to Sweden multiple times before I moved. Uh, however, I did not knew that much about Malmö. I just kind of came and then I was surprised how beautiful the city was and how actually small and reachable. You can walk or cycle basically everywhere. I really like that Malmö is so much more warm than for example Helsinki where I've lived also. So I really liked the climate and enjoyed the uh, winters that were <laughs> way, <laughs> way easier. <laughs> but I love that only like only Finns can say that they love Malmö because of the weather. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Giza, how was it for you? Did you also move because of the climate? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> because Malmö is so different from the north of Germany, you know. <laughs> No, also like for me, it was a bit the same in the sense that I moved there and I didn't really know anything about Malmö. I just knew, okay, this is Sweden. It's like some city there. <laughs> Opposite of Copenhagen, <laughs> I found out like a couple of weeks before I even moved there, I think, because Malmö <laughs> is like internationally not that known, I would say. And for me, it was very impulsive yeah. to move there. But I was very um, positively surprised also. As Rosa said, it's actually a really beautiful city and I felt it to be very welcoming or like it was quite easy to move there as a foreigner. It's very friendly for foreigners to come and like <laughs> move around the city in a sense, you know, like, I don't know, public transport was easy and there's like lots of bike lanes and everything went quite smoothly and then it's also really nice because it's at the sea and I love that about Malmö a lot because the sea is yeah. <laughs> the sea is so near and it's uh, quite central for the city or it's easy to get there and you go there quite a lot in summer and that's what I really liked about Malmö as well yeah I agree I think uh, for me it was exactly the same as for you too I have never been to Sweden before and then I was just like yeah sure let's study in Sweden uh, and then I moved to Malmö Uh, and I also, I mean, I still live there and I really, really like the city, I think. Um, I mean, at the moment, not too much because it's winter, but uh, during summer, I just adore the city with the sea and it almost has some kind of Southern European vibe if you're at the beach in the summer and people are just out all night and so on. It's, it's great. But but only, only in summer when it's really warm. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, there's no... <laughs> South European vibe. <laughs> by, by Not way. at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I thought we could term the episode last night in Malmö because I thought it was 
first of all, quite fitting for the Southern European nights <laughs> you have sometimes at the beach because it's at night. And then, of course, uh, we all know the story of Trump being like at some rally in, in Florida in 2017. Um, I don't know, ranting about immigrants, refugees again, like always, and was just like, have you seen what happened last night in Sweden? And everyone in Sweden was like, what the f nothing happened in Sweden and also especially in Malmö there were so many memes going on afterwards like hey this is happening in uh, in Malmö uh, actually and it was just about I don't know eating falafel being at the beach or like wherever and people are like literally nothing is going on so I think it sums up our Malmö experience quite nicely yes and Uh, yeah, and Malmo is actually very accommodating to international students, you know, because uh, you don't really have to know Swedish in order to uh, be part of the society there. Because as a Finn, I've learned, uh, I've studied Sweden multiple years at school. Uh, <laughs> however, I do not really speak Swedish. So it was really nice that I didn't have to learn it <laughs> while being in Malmo. Uh, Also, because Skånska is very different yes. from Finland, <laughs> so it's way harder to understand. And the first <laughs> week I was there, I really didn't understand anyone, because uh, Skånska sounds like Danish, and I I had not heard it before. So, yeah, definitely different than what yeah. I expected. For me, it's super weird, because I only know southern Swedish or Skånska as Swedish also now from studying Swedish and then when I went to Stockholm I was like <laughs> which language are you talking here even though it's, it's it's probably more proper Swedish than the one we are talking about but yeah like when I when I researched a little bit about the history I mean it makes so much sense that uh, Malmö is the way it is because um, I mean until the 15th century uh, Skåne and especially Malmö was still uh, Danish Uh, and there was like since the fifth uh, before that and also afterwards always this back and forth between like Denmark and Sweden and fighting about uh, over over Skåne and then luckily I think in in the 50th century they had the Treaty of Roskilde and they kind of made peace and then I actually figured out that Lund University was um, was built for like the Swedification of Skåne in 1666. Wow. Yeah, like <laughs> it was like, well, let's get some some Swedish in here or something. And at that time it was also forbidden to speak Danish. The priest was not allowed to preach uh, in Danish and all of that. Um, but it had also a huge impact on, on Malmö specifically because it was a central trading town uh, for Denmark. But then when it became Swedish, it had kind of a marginal role. Also, especially in comparison to Stockholm and Gothenburg, mm -hmm. it just became like this huge military base to kind of protect Sweden from from the evil Danes in a way. Um, but then, uh, like after Napoleon or during the wars with Napoleon in Europe, um, it became also more of a strategic point for like trading and the city started to flourish and uh, Like no joke, literally started to flourish because it was like the connection between Denmark to Denmark then and also continental Europe and so on, and it was also the flourishing place for new ideas. So, for example, the workers' movement uh, started in Malmo in Sweden, wow. and they had like the first um, unions built in Malmo, and Malmo also became such an industrialized town uh, and was one of the fastest-growing cities in Northern Europe 
one of the richest cities in Sweden, like a completely different image in a way than you have today about Malmö. Yeah, it's for me it's quite surprising because in my head Malmö is still very uh, like a, quite a small town just compared to other big cities in Europe and from those big cities in Europe I expect this kind of history you no know, flourishing and like uh, trade center for trading but Malmö for me it's just like the small thing and I always thought oh it just grew like little by little and nothing <laughs> spectacular happened just the Danes coming and going but it's nice to hear that there's so much history. Yeah, no, but I agree, like, um, also, if you go to Schirzebeer and so on, like, it's still such a workers' vibe, in a way, um, what the city really identifies with. Like, also, the architecture, I feel like you can see that they're, like... Yeah, they are old industrial buildings. Ah, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but all this industrialization, like, in so many other European countries, um, during the, like... 1965 till 1985 just broke down because of globalization it was not like the textile industry was not profitable anymore um and the same with all the ship manufacturing which was going on in malmo and malmo became kind of the underdog <laughs> that it is today in in the 90s i would say because there was in 94 an unemployment rate up to 18 percent which is really high for the for the nordic countries And there, there was clearly like new ideas needed. And what the city kind of came up with as a policy was like framing Malmö as the city of knowledge. It was also the time when Malmö University was founded. And the information I'm just reading or like telling you is actually from a blog post from Malmö University. And they framed that as like Malmö University was founded with a cross-disciplinary approach and a focus on contemporary, contemporary social challenges and uh, yeah that was also the time where the plans for the Eurozone bridge were finalized um, so that the Eurozone bridge connecting Malmö and Copenhagen was uh, opened in 2000 and this whole sustainable urban development framework became super central for the city and what I really liked um, in this article i mean of course it has its issues but i like this kind of utopian framework of it that malmo is a super diverse city uh, today where almost half of the residents are either born abroad or have at least one foreign born parent there are over 150 languages spoken in malmo and like the average citizen is 36 years old so the city is also super young and they are trying to kind of embrace that about malmo and make that like the the special thing about Malmö and of course it's still one of like the city is very unequal and segregated but I mean we discussed that last episode so I think today we can focus on the positive part <laughs> yeah and just hearing also this that Malmö is now focusing on that and they're like so multicultural and they they want to focus on urban development like it makes me also enthusiastic about the city again and just smile because also when you live there you can feel that in a way like it's the vibe of the city is very positive and you yeah you feel that there's innovation and like development happening yeah exactly it Malmö definitely feels like a young, vibrant city, and it's interesting to think how young the Öresund Bridge relatively is, because uh, I <laughs> I don't know what Malmö would look like without it, because the bridge kind of defines Malmö. 
uh, as it ties it to the rest of the Europe and makes mm. Malmö so international. Yeah. So yeah. Just just one quick side note for those who maybe not know the bridge. It's the Eurozone bridge and it connects Copenhagen and Malmö. So it connects Denmark and Sweden like on a land way. Yeah. Yeah. And it only takes 30 minutes from Malmö to Copenhagen. Um, so it's it's really connected. Um, but what you just said, Rosa, because uh, I, I also found this one quote from, from a guy called August Trinberg, uh, who said that Swedes have a history that is not the history of the south of Scandinavia. And I think that all ties it really well together. I mean, I mean, for me, it was such a mind blow <laughs> when I realized that the, uh, Scon uh, the flag of Skåne was actually the Danish and the Swedish flag combined. So it has like... Mm red squares and a yellow cross in the middle and it's like you can see it everywhere in, in mm. Skåne I just went to a hockey game uh, in the beginning of December and there was this uh, flag from Skåne everywhere mm. and I was like this is so weird like <laughs> in a way because it's like it's only Malmö and like there are also other um, teams from Skåne in the ice hockey league uh, but still it's yeah It's also a bit like for me not surprising but interesting because there's so like people in Sweden and especially south of Sweden make so much fun of Denmark and Danes <laughs> and the Danish Danish language and Danish culture but still it's also part of their identity because not, like you see it it's in the flag and the language in the Skonska accent is so similar to Danish and they are so close through this bridge especially they became even more close so it's uh, yeah it's an interesting contradiction Yeah, I feel like Skåne is like the special place between kind of the mm -hmm. buffer zone because they also make <laughs> a lot of fun of people from Stockholm and so on. And they don't really see themselves also as part of them, but also not of mm -hmm. Denmark, but still it's kind of both in one county. And fun fact from my, from my master studies, but uh, the topography, so like how the landscape is in Skåne is actually more similar to the Danish one than it is to the Swedish one. So Skåne is also one of the most valuable agricultural land in Europe. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I also read now like that, that Malmö is the third most innovative city in the world. That's very, like, that's so impressive. I'm very proud of Malmö, to be honest. Yeah, like, there's so much, I think, gaming, especially. And, but yeah, hearing, hearing so much, like, about how Malmö is different from, from Denmark and Sweden and all, I think Malmö is also quite diverse in itself, like, all the different neighborhoods and so on. And I think you, you Geza, you looked a little bit more into it. Uh, yeah, like Teresa already mentioned before that when Malmö kind of rebranded itself, it also wanted to focus on sustainable urban development. And there's like one district in Malmö or one neighborhood that focuses specifically on that. And it's it's called Augustenborg. And um, it's one area that uh, in the 1980s, it was also like rather a workers area, but it was slowly degrading. Like there was not a lot of funding going into this area. They had a lot of problems with flooding. And like in general, it was not in a good place. And then um, in 1998, so kind of around the same time as Malmö in general, tried to re rebrand or like make a new image of itself. It's also Augustenborg was... Um, It was said to be changed and transformed into like a more sustainable area. Like Wasn't it because of the flooding? Yeah, exactly. Also, like yeah. I, s I said before that there was a lot of floodings and now they also wanted because of this flooding, they that was kind of the uh, the incentive 
to change and then they wanted to to incorporate it into a, a sustainable transformation and they, they they established this program which is called eco start in augustenburg so like ecological neighborhood augustenburg <laughs> basically. Yeah. <laughs> and the program also focused a lot on the involvement of the residents in the area that they were able to participate in the decisions and into the whole development of the neighborhood. And like today you can like, or since then, almost 90% of the housings in the area were actually renovated to make them more energy sufficient. Um, and also to solve the floodings, they found the solution of green roof vegetation. So like almost or like a lot of the roofs are plant like planted. There's green vegetations on the roof. It looks really cool. Like I've been there actually. I've been there only once while I lived in Mamba because there were not a lot of my friends living there. But like it also looks really nice. And now so they have these green roofs. They have lots of solar panels. They have ground heat pumping, and they have like so they're. Uh, producing also their own electricity through the solar panels and then the electricity that is too much that goes into the general electricity system they have a holistic waste management system uh, they have like car sharing pools and they try to have like really good community in the area so they have like regular workshops and just get together and like train each other on how to be sustainable managers in the area and so on so in general it's just a really cool program to be honest and i'm really sad that i haven't really looked at it while i was living there because uh yeah it sounds just really it's super fun like i i also had a lecture about that uh with them and they have this greenhouse there as well you have like huge balconies so you can also plant your own food it so it looks super cool but they also have laundry rooms where you have a tv so that the laundry room basically becomes a hangout area so you can watch game of thrones with your neighbors while <laughs> actually watching your la uh, washing your laundry it's super cool um <laughs> Yeah, and it's like, it sounds like a nice um, idea for how our future could look like. How could we live in the future? Because I think we need to transform our situation, our like the structures that we are living mm -hmm. in. And these kind of ideas are so nice and they're actually lived and not just like, uh, it's not just talked about or theories are made up, but they actually live it. And that's really cool and inspiring. Yeah, definitely. And also like, for example, Augustenboy, it, it wasn't, like workers neighborhood before and there were still a lot or like there were already a lot of buildings there which they try to make more sustainable and then you also have Westrahamnen at the seaside uh, which is like a newly built district like with a turning torso for those of you who are not from Malmö <laughs> um, it's like this huge building which looks like a turning torso that's why it's called <laughs> like that actually it's the highest um, skyscraper in the whole of Scandinavia yeah. and it's only like 300 meters or something it's not that high <laughs> yeah, but no. for Scandinavia that's really high. Uh, but, uh, uh, I would actually disagree. <laughs> I think it's quite high. Yeah. <laughs> you also moved to Malmö because of the weather. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, well, yeah, attack, but true. I <laughs> I can't do that, right? <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, the building looks huge compared to all the other buildings next to it. But uh, like that district is also like now planned as a sustainable neighborhood. And you also have like all these uh, waste managements, which are super fancy or something. So yeah, you have quite quite a lot going on in the city, I'd say. It's interesting to learn about Augusta Bori now. <laughs> However, I do wish that I would have <laughs> known about it when I lived there because it sounds really cool yeah. and interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. But I mean, we learned so much about Malmo during during the last or during the three years we have lived there. Uh, and maybe there's some stuff you want to point out, or like some some stuff that you really loved about the city. Maybe if we if we talk about what we're loving about Malmo, then we have to mention falafel, I guess. Yes, because <laughs> <laughs> Malmo is actually very known, like for. It's falafel. Also, I checked again a bit and like so many people say that Malmo is the, the home of the best falafel in Scandinavia, at least. And like, it's yeah, you know, that in Sweden, they say that their national food is meatballs. But in Malmo, it's falafel. If you go to Malmo, you have to get falafel. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Bernheim is falafel. <laughs> it seems like falafel also for Malmo, it's very important for the identity of the city. Or like, as you hear, it's mentioned a lot as soon as you talk about Malmo. And it's not just, it's not just street food, but it's like something more. And also it's just, it's very popular. Like um, I read that at times the number of sales of falafel outnumbered sales of McDonald's. And I think these days that says oh, a lot. Wow. And also the, the, yeah, the reason for why it became so popular, it still is so popular is again, the spirit of Malmö not being at its best state and still like hit by a few economic crises and just being a rather poor city and its citizens as well. And so, Uh, falafel was already there through immigrants from Middle Eastern countries before the 1980s and then it was a cheap alternative to American fast food like um, while McDonald's was still like at four dollars or four euros or whatever currency it was the falafel was at 150 for example so it was like quite a huge price difference and then falafel just became popular and since then It stayed popular and also, I mean, still quite cheap. Like Yeah, it's very cheap yeah. comparing to Helsinki, for example, where you pay nine euros of falafel. <laughs> What? So in Malmö is 30 crowns, so the difference is quite huge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, so that also came from that period and it still just stayed. It's I mean, now that we have talked about falafel, I think the other big part about Malmö that also people outside of Sweden know about about Malmö is Slatan Ibrahimovic. Giza, you want to tell us more? <laughs> Such a great transition. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, actually, yeah, like I think people know falafel and they actually also know Slatan Ibrahimovic. Like he's quite a, a big personality in football and he's also quite a controversial figure, I would say. Um, but so for those of you who do not know who Zlatan Ibrahimovic is, he's an, now an international football player. Uh, he was born and raised in Malmö and he's now 40 and he plays currently at Milan. So he's still active. But his professional debut was in 1999 with Malmö FF, so Malmö's football club. Um, and as I said, he was born and raised in Malmö and not just anywhere, but in the area of Rosengard. And if you listen to our last episode there, we already mentioned that Rosengard is one of those neighborhoods in Malmö that's marked by social exclusion. And a lot of young people that come from Rosengard, they may not have the same opportunities as other people in Malmö in their life. And for Zlatan Ibrahimovic, it was kind of the same. He came from an immigrant family. His mother was from Croatia and his father was from Bosnia. And they came to Malmö and Zlatan was born and raised there. So he's Swedish. But still, he faced a lot of prejudice in Malmö and a lot of difficulties growing up. And his education was like in Rosengard was difficult and the whole upbringing. And so football was his way of getting out there, basically. So 
that's also why for a lot of people in Rosengart he's even more important maybe than for other people in Malmö because he's uh, like an example of how how they could make it and then he like he played for Malmö FF and then pr pretty quickly he became like internationally known and he had like a great career and he played for Swedish na Sweden's national team and for a lot of big clubs like Paris Saint-Germain and others that's really interesting he also has a biography if anybody's interested to read more about his story actually I think his childhood is very interesting and if you ever learn Swedish I think one of the first texts you will read uh, in all Swedish books is about Slatan. And <laughs> like I have read like so many so many articles and stuff. It's quite funny. But yeah. Yeah, because he's <laughs> but he's also um, a very controversial person and he's very let's say fond of himself. <laughs> um <laughs> uh, so yeah, like so for example, uh in Malmö at some point in 2019 there was a, a statue of him revealed that is it's like three meters high it's bronze it's like the pose is very um, yes. <laughs> yeah but luckily <laughs> the statue is not standing anymore yeah, or like so. haven't I heard something about that <laughs> yeah because Slatan is also as I said very controversial and people have very strong opinions about him and so in Malmö like he's still uh, is very proud of being from Malmö and like about his football club where he started Malmö FF but he made the mistake that in 2019 as well to uh, buy some shares of a Stockholm football club and people in Malmö didn't like that how <laughs> so, <laughs> so the statue was built up in 2019 and then in 2020 it had to be taken down because it was vandalized that bad like people <laughs> sprayed like i i read now that people um cut off the nose they cut off toes and they like it was really wild so you can see how how many emotions are connected to Slatan as yeah. well and like how much he must have hurt the pride just by buying shares of a stockholm football club so the the statue is now apparently like somewhere indoors and maybe it's gonna be there for like artistic purposes because it's still like a piece of art or whatever. Until <laughs> he he sells again his stocks of yeah. the Stockholm football team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and just to to uh, maybe for the listeners to have more of an understanding what kind of person he presents himself to be, like I there's some quotes that I collected <laughs> because I find them very entertaining and sometimes they're good for self-motivating, honestly. <laughs> so for example, he supposedly say, uh, "I can't help but laugh at how perfect I am." So you can see he's <laughs> very fond of himself. And then also to one of the football clubs that he left, like or when he was leaving, he said, I came like a king, left like a legend. So, <laughs> right. Oh. Very humble. <laughs> and this one I like a lot. It said, uh, there was the thought that this would send me into retirement. I sent their entire country into retirement. And he said that after like a national football game of Sweden against Denmark <laughs> and he like scored a goal against Denmark. <laughs> So I feel like we can all learn a little bit of him, but not too much because, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah well, I can't say that I'm like exactly surprised that his behavior is polarizing people because his uh, attitude definitely doesn't fit the humble ideal of how to behave in Scandinavia, of <laughs> not making yourself a number, you know, so <laughs> not surprised. <laughs> 
Yeah, but he's definitely an urban legend, I think. <laughs> I also heard once that he, but this is really an urban legend. You will not find this in our show notes. Uh, but <laughs> that he bought an apartment <laughs> in the Turning Torso and he bought also the whole floor above and beneath him so that he would not have any uh, noise from his neighbors coming. But yeah. <laughs> That's the kind of urban legend that I would totally believe in. <laughs> I could definitely picture him living in Turning Torso by himself. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Same. I never found something about this online, so it's an urban legend, but yeah, probably true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I think like, so Malmö has a lot of unexpected things. Like yeah, people know that Zlatan Ibrahimovic is from Malmö, but they don't really know a lot about Malmö, how much it's connected yeah. to Malmö. I think it's it was one of the first things I've learned about Malmö when I moved there. And I'm really not a big football Same. fan at all. And then I was like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but I think, because we are already talking quite a lot, but I think to just try to wrap up this episode and maybe you can also hear from our laughters and um, good time we are having that the city really means a lot to us. I think we all kind of got into this regional not pride but like kind of this connectiveness to the city uh, within the three years and i think that's not often the case when you move to a new city uh, that you feel so connected to it uh, so fast and i think yeah it was a, it was a great time yeah. <laughs> i just want to highlight also once again what maybe also connects you even more to mom is that the city is so active and there's so much activism i think rosa mentioned it before and like there's the the workers rights movement started there but there's also a really big lgbtq scene there's a really big sustainable like environmentalist scene and there's lots of people that uh, start their own activities and then they engage with the other people living there and you just you can find any topic you want to be active on and there will be a group probably in Malmö that is actually doing something and that is really great about the city. Yes. Yeah, that's that's very true and Malmö is definitely a city of knowledge as we discussed earlier because uh. as you can see as an example Malmö has uh, brought together our brilliant minds <laughs> to discuss these very very important issues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So like, as you heard, we enjoyed a lot uh, talking again about Malmö and a bit like having the memories coming up again. And I hope that uh, you guys also got an idea of what Malmö is like and that next time you visit Copenhagen, you also uh, move over the bridge and see Malmö or maybe you want to visit Malmö itself directly. That would be great. Yes, definitely. Thank you for joining us today and listening to our holiday episode we wish you a happy new year and we will publish on our normal schedule on the end of January. And yeah, follow us on social media like always. Uh, and I hope you will listen to us in our next episode, which is coming in January. Until hey then, hey do. Hey do.